0: Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D-Mendy, Little Cheesecake, and Doc starts now. It's showtime. Welcome in to the show, ladies and gentlemen, the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network. D-Mendy here, joined by a cheese whiz and a cakey fella. That's Art Tornabeni, aka Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. Hope, uh, hope y'all enjoyed that new intro. Got a shout out the Dakota on Fiverr for putting that together for us. Um, how you doing today, David? Good, hey, man. Like you said, that intro fired me up. Changed a couple things in my little intro here. Obviously, again, being a proud member of the Fantrax podcast network, I want to make sure we shout that out because very appreciative of them. And uh, just overall pumped up, man. Things are going well with the pod, and things are going well with life. So couldn't be happier. Um, and I want to bring in. On that note, someone that might bring the mood down a little bit. Someone who forgets to mute his mic when people are in his house. And that's Eric Mendelssohn, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? David, you're ugly. <laughs> that's, that's, my that's, your that's my response. That's my response. De- you're deflated. You didn't know how to come back by saying, is that your comeback? That's <laughs> you trying to think of something. I'm not even going to indulge. Your horrible comeback insultness here. Uh, oh my gosh, that's such a good one, David. Great comeback. <laughs> so what's going on today? We have on deck the triple play fantasy's first base rankings 1.0. Before we head into 2021, we want to give an early look at each position and talk about where we rank in these players within these position groups heading into next season. We're going to be doing the, uh, this with the NFBC rankings as our template for these episodes as with the top guys, guys who were straying away from values, and all that fun rankings talk. Tonight, as mentioned, we're going to the first base position with someone coming back on the show after we had him on last May. And that was right when we actually were being able to start seeing each other on cameras. We used to do this on our phones and talk into the phone. It was very unpleasant. And a gentleman that we had that time, that is Chris, a.k.a. Baseball Pods. He's back and joining us for this awesome show tonight. After we go to our bullpen for the question of the week, What should Cleveland's new team name be? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. News and notes. Cleveland has decided to change their name. After several months of discussion sparked by the death of George Floyd and a national reckoning over race and uh, colonialism, the Cleveland Indians have decided to change their name. Team owner Paul Dolan confirmed the decision on Monday, following a process that involved conversations with fans, players, local and national Native American groups. So, I'm not necessarily asking what you think the name change should be. I'm asking if you think this is the right decision. Cheesecake, what do you think? I think if it came as it as you just suggested, as you just said, after consultation with Native American groups. I mean, you don't want anyone to be offended. Baseball is about Bringing people together—it's about love and sport and being outside. It's not about—it's not about the team name. The you know the Cleveland baseball team is still the same team that's been around for a hundred years. I think it's a great decision. Doc, you echo the same sentiments as cheesecake? Yeah, certainly. I think we're at the point now in 2020 where things that might have offended people we weren't as cognizant of before. Thinking about you know the Washington football team, the Atlanta Braves with the tomahawk and. You know, if it, uh, if, it, if it offends a large group of people, then I think it's something to put into consideration. It's funny, Bomani Jones a few years ago on ESPN wore a shirt that said the Caucasians with the Indians logo, but painted white instead. And that's kind of like, well, that's how it would be like if we made a team name for white people. And uh, so I think that was a really good point brought up by him. And I'm glad that we're finally seeing some movement on a name change. Right, well said. I can't add anything to what you guys said. I completely agree. Next bit of news here, Nate Lowe and David Dow David Dahl, who's Dow. David Dahl <laughs> are headed to the Rangers. Dahl signed as a free agent on a one year, three million dollar deal. Nate Lowe got there through a trade as him, first baseman Jake Gunther, and a player to be named later for her, her Heriberto Hernandez Infielder, Oslivis Bassibi. I'm I'm messing up names and so sorry about that to those fellas. And Alexander Ovalis uh from the Rangers. The 25 year old Low, uh, Low hit 224 with four homers, 11 RBIs, and 21 games last season. Was 0 for three in the wildcard playoffs against Toronto. First baseman and a third baseman, uh, he's hit 251 with 11 homers and 30 RBIs in two seasons. Hernandez, which is a big part of the package going back, batted 344 with 11 homers and 48 RBIs in 2019 for the Arizona Rookie League Rangers. Uh, basically a Class A guy, but has a lot of potential. So Larry Loaded question and a lot of mispronunciations with that. So Doc, I'll start with you. Bigger impact of adding either David Dahl or Nate Lowe, and do you like these moves? So I think that definitely the bigger impact is Nate Lowe because Nate Lowe stays healthy. No offense to David Dahl, but he's just made of glass. He's been hanging out with John Carlos Stanton. I kind of like what Texas is doing. I know that they gave up Lance Lynn, but I like getting Dane Dunning back in the deal. And you said that David Dahl was one year, three million. I don't think Nate Lowe has a huge contract. They're taking risks on young players that have that have some upside and that they're not paying a lot for. And I know that they gave up some prospects in the um, deal with the Rays, but that was nobody that was really ready to take the major leagues by storm. Uh, so I like the moves the Rangers have done and hopefully it pays off for them. Cheesecake in 60 seconds or less. What are your thoughts? Well, I uh, I think that um, I think that it's a good move for the rain for the Rangers. I I, I ask everyone to read uh, Brian Entrecken's Bubba's article on Roto Baller about the pickup. He's he's high on Nate Lowe, and after what he said, I got to say I agree. David Dahl, um, CBS had Will Middlebrooks on this week, and he talked about how it is hard to recover in Colorado. Perhaps Dahl going back down to sea level is going to help him for his health. But I do agree. That he has not shown that he has the skill of health so far in his career. But I really like, uh, uh, I really like the, the Nate Lowe signing and I really want you to say that second name again of the prospects because that was awesome. The, uh, Heriberto Hernandez, now that I see it a second time and Oslevis Basabi and Alexander Ovalis. <laughs> I, I think you offended every Hispanic who listens to I think was. I really did. I'm <laughs> so sorry. I'm, not a very good pronunciator, and I will shout that from the rooftops, everybody that needs to know. Uh So let's go to someone's name I can pronounce, and that's Hunter Renfro, who is going to add some thump to the Red Sox as he signed a one-year, $3.1 million contract. Renfro batted 33 homers for the Padres in 2019 but struggled in his one season with the Rays. So, cheesecake, Hunter Renfro as a Red Sox, what are we thinking?
1: Meh. I, I
0: don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I like, I'd like to, I think he deserves another shot in the bigs, but I'm not gonna be the one who's trying to grab him. I, I don't know if he can put it all together. I like the 33 home run power. I know he has really good speed actually for a guy with his, with his size, but, um, you know, I, I'm just not sure he's ever gonna fully put it together. But I, I I like the Red Sox taking a chance on him. They're in a position where they're they should be taking chances on players. Yeah, I agree. You're looking for playing time opportunities, and he's going to hopefully get some with the Red Sox. Doc, same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think he's somebody that you take in your drafts, and he might get really streaky where he homers three times in a week and then strikes out seven out of his next nine plate appearances. So maybe a, a scene a new uh, scenery is what he needs. You know. Um, The Red Sox are a little bit more hitter-friendly in terms of that lineup, so maybe he's somebody that you could get as your fourth, fifth outfielder that's going to provide you some power. As you mentioned, he did have 30-plus numbers in 2019, but I'm not too bullish on him. All right, let's go to the last bit of news then. Seattle has acquired Rangers right-hander Rafael Montero, expected to slide right into the closer's role. And this is a uh, – Rafael Montero is a guy who – Went 8-for-8 in save opportunities last year, 4.08 ERA in 17 and two-thirds innings over 17 appearances in a pandemic-shortened campaign. So, Doc, does this change the value of Montero as you already had him? Does it uh, boost his stock for you? Does it lower it? What do you think? I mean, it boosts it for a little bit because he's the front-runner to get saves, and I think that's valuable in any league that you play in. But Seattle typically isn't going to win a lot of games. They haven't made the playoffs since 2001, so that usually correlates to having a losing record, and that's not something I'm too excited about when targeting a closer. Cheesecake, what do you think? Well, I I think Doc's first point about the fact that he has the inside track to the job makes him more appealing to me because... This, this season, and we're going to get, I'm hoping that we can put off doing our relief pitcher preview until, you know, I don't know, the season starts because <laughs> I just have no idea. But at least with someone like him, you think you can have, you can draft him with some reasonable assurances that he's going to end up with the job. Agreed. Uh, anytime you know someone's a definite closer, it boosts their value for sure. And he was in a bullpen with a couple options. So better for his value. 100% agree. If, you like hearing talk about closers and relief pitchers? Do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. we have a fantasy football show and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up the Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review of the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Triple a Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, stupid, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a doc. The apps were downloaded by the chimney with care, in hopes that triple play would be there. The listeners were nestled and all snuggled in their beds, with visions of Doc being wrong danced in their heads. Cheesecake in his dungeon and I in my cap ready to light up your podcasting app. Make sure you listen and have us on your queue. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, The Loyal Player, for your listens each and every week. David, how are you engaged? You are <laughs> such a loser. Like, I'm serious. I can't believe your fiance doesn't hear this and automatically call off she the wedding. doesn't list. listen to the pod, so that's probably why. <laughs> um, but I also, after that, I also want to make sure I announce we launched the Triple Play Fantasy Swag Store. Huge for our brand as we look to continue to grow. Buy yourself or your honey. Shirts, joggers, leggings, tanks, hoodies, tote bags, masks, socks, mugs. Oh my goodness. If you want it, we got it. If you listen to us and you like what we're doing, we really appreciate your support in any way, shape, or form, uh, and that you're able to give. Buying this swag will not only have you looking like a boss, but help add some extra resources to help make the show better and better. And even if you don't buy stuff, we appreciate your listens and each and every single one of you that support us. So just want to make sure, uh, plug that. And if you need some good merch, especially with the holiday season coming up, buy someone some AAA swag. You will not regret it. Buy, buy your grandma who doesn't know we exist some triple play swag, so then she'll have to listen to us. Agreed, 100%. With that being said, let's bring on our guest. We welcome in Chris from Baseball Pods. Let's go. We welcome in a man, a podcast connoisseur, and an entire bracket committee. Creator of BaseballPods.com, where you'll find his original fantasy content, this pioneer in the fantasy baseball world listens to all the top baseball podcasts and becomes the human spark notes, highlighting the best stuff for you. The most pleasant pair of headphones to look at on Twitter we welcome in Chris, aka Baseball Pods. Thanks for coming on the show, man. How are you doing tonight?
2: Oh, um, awesome. That is a great intro. Human Spark notes. I'll going to take that.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, uh, we talked a little before the show. This is the first time we've actually gotten to talk face to face with you since May. And I actually listened to that back a couple days ago. And we, us three on the show sound completely awful. You sound great. Uh, but we, it was, Kind of a night and day thing for us, so we're happy that you we didn't scare you off too much to, to want to come back for a second show.
2: Oh man, you, you guys get all the big dogs. So like any any show that Oral Hershiser appears on, I feel like it's good for me.
0: No, yeah, I love it. Uh, I also want to bring up before we, we kind of dive into things, just on uh, on a uh, note that meant a lot to us. I remember back in September, uh, the doc and I were on our a trip in the Poconos. And you were on the SP Streamer podcast, and you gave us a really, really nice shout-out that honestly made our weekend about uh, saying some really nice things about us and that we were emblematic of the fantasy community and impressed with the guest list we had. And it was very kind of you. So I really also, now that we can talk face-to-face, want to thank you for those really kind words that you said about us.
2: Yeah, no worries. They're heartfelt and truthful words, but if that was the highlight of your trip, it
0: uh, sounds like <laughs> a pretty, <laughs> All right. I- pretty, pretty I- tough sledding. I'll tell you this, and I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm ruining David's reputation. He doesn't drink that often anymore. And when we heard that, he's like, I'm taking a shot. Oh my gosh. I'm taking a shot. I'm taking two. That's like unheard of David to do now. That is true. Uh, David's got to maintain
2: that, you know, that, uh, that competitive build, which, uh, is the envy of the baseball, fantasy baseball world. <laughs> I
0: didn't even mean for it to be that way, but. Oh, it's just, it's, I love it when Nancy just puts that picture now every single time. He'll like text it to me now sometimes, just in being funny. That's great. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people don't want to be seen with their shirts off, even though that's like the whole thing. I saw Michael Govier uh, posted, <laughs> posted a thing today. And, you know, Alex Chamberlain is famous and Nancy has embodied that. But, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe it's, maybe I'll make it a goal month for six months to do a topless podcast and to a point where people would find it tasteful.
0: Oh, I love that. That would be awesome. Uh, well, we're going to need that, that type of energy from Chris here because we need a lot of help diving into a position that's very interesting to say the least. And that's the first base position. So we're talking about the first base rankings 1.0 today on the show. And we're going to be kind of just looking kind of in a little bit of different ranges here. We're going to be looking at guys in the one through 10 that we like, that we don't like. We'll be looking at guys Eleven through twenty, same kind of deal, and then guys after twenty that we're looking to target, and we're going to be using NFBC ADP for these rankings tonight because that's the uh, the biggest competitive people play in the NFBC. So I like to use their rankings as a template for when we have these kind of discussions. Obviously, there's a lot of different rankings out there, but for tonight we're just using these. So without further ado, let's dive right in here. And Chris, you're the guest, so I want to lead off with you. A first baseman inside the top ten that. Maybe besides the the obvious Freddie Freeman, because I think everybody of course wants Freddie Freeman on their team. Who are you looking at in the top ten that you really want to make sure you target in your drafts?
2: Um, really, no one. Uh, mm. I, I mean, I just I I mean, Freeman's great if you can get him there. I mean, I did an early draft where I was able to get Bellinger, um, like 18th or 19th, and I, I like that. I do worry about the fact that he can pop his shoulder in and out like Mel Gibson and the weapon, like. <laughs> One of those times that's going to come back and it's just not going to come back in. So I don't mind Bellinger where he's going, but I, I mean I'm I'm a big uh, big proponent of waiting on first base this year. I don't mind Dom Smith if we had clarity that there was an NLDH in the early drafts, so I'd he'd be my guy at number nine. But I'm going to take Rizzo at number ten just because he's tenth, and uh, I think Rizzo is going to bounce back. I think he's solid. He's got a great eye. I, I'm not the batting average will bounce. I think it was a short season aberration. And, uh, so I, the main reason I'm taking him is because he's 10. So it's like, all right, I'll, you know, let other people can fill up your, your first, you know, if we were in a 10 team league, you all can get your first baseman before I do. I'm, I'm more than happy with Rizzo at 10. And, uh, I'll be filling in other positions while you're doing that. That's my approach for, uh, the guy that I like the most.
0: I was trying, I was thinking you might be sweet talking cheesecake over there, the, the Cub fan on the show. So I'm sure he likes hearing that. But, uh, Doc. What about you? So Chris is kind of not too big of a fan of anybody in this position, in this top 10. Is there somebody that kind of screams to you, Doc, pick me? Who do you like? So so before I I go to that, Chris, I want to ask you, since you're not targeting first base, what position are you really looking to snipe in the early rounds? I know pitching goes pretty quickly, but what position player or positions are you looking to target? Yeah, I mean, pitching, man, like Talk about it.
2: like bat like Toby and Bat flip crazy started a revolution. Like I mean <laughs> I was just I was in a, I tweeted about this the other day. I was in a best ball and some guy picked seven straight pitchers in his first seven picks. It was nuts. And I know best ball pushes pitchers up, but I'm actually not targeting any positions, I generally don't, but I'm targeting well-rounded players. And they just don't seem they're not a lot of first baseman here who are giving you any kind of speed. The reason Bellinger is was tempting to me a little bit is because he can probably give you fifteen bags. But if I'm picking hitting at this at this level, I'm trying to get well-rounded players that give me uh, a little bit of everything. And uh, the first baseman just doesn't really do it. So there's not a position I'm targeting. It's more of a type of player.
0: Okay, yeah, I was just curious. My first baseman that I like is Matt Olsen, who's ranked number eight. So he played all uh, all the games in 2018 and 2020. So he's been pretty durable. He missed 31 games in 2019, or he missed 32 games. And 31 of them were because he broke his handmade bone uh, the first series in Japan. So he's missed one game in the past three seasons that wasn't a fluke injury. 2018, he had 29 homers. If he had played the entire season of 2019, he would have been on pace to hit 46. And last season or the previous one, 2020, he would have been on pace for 38. So sneaky power there. He's been upping his launch angle each year. I know his average isn't the best. But I think he's gonna give you that power that you look for and maybe not in that top five, top six first baseman as someone that I will allude to and that I don't like. And you look at and you look at that lineup. Matt Chapman should be healthy by opening day. Chris Davis, Ramon Laureano, Mark Markana, Stephen Piscotti. I like him hitting in the middle of that lineup and at eight. I think that's great really value.
2: I, I think he's a great bounce back candidate. I love I traded for him um, in the middle of last year because people I were scared of their batting average like in a couple of dynasty leagues. I mean, if he leads the league in homers, no one should be surprised.
0: Yeah, I mean, Matt Olson, the value there is ridiculous. I think it's a great call, Doc. Um, and he's got a good lineup around him too. And I mean, he hit under 200 last year, but you still saw what he put up. So imagine if his batting average goes up and, and kind of regresses to the mean a little bit. So I like that call. Matt Olsen is that guy that every time I watch his MLB at-bat and I play against him in a league, I just think he's going to hit a home run right now. Like I always think he's going to hit a home run every at-bat. No, he is that type of dude. Uh Cheesecake, give us your dude. Another guy like that who since mid-2018, listen to this, since mid-2018, the top four in barrel rate, Mike Trout, Nelson Cruz, Christian Yelich, Luke Voigt is for it. Luke Voigt is my, uh, my top 10 guy who I would, who I would target. And I, I think people, you know, he's been pushed up draft boards a little bit now. He's, uh, sixth, uh, seventh off the board right now. He was going pretty nice comfortably in the, towards pick 200 last year. Now he's going around 60, 65 or so. But I think it's, a, it's well worth the price, especially when you think of the company he's keeping among the first basemen. Now, he's being drafted right by Pete Alonso, right in front of Matt Olson. But listen to this. On June ninth, 2019, Luke Boyd was hitting two eighty, seventeen 17 home runs, 50 RBIs. Then I traded with David for him, and he injured his core muscle. He's got a lot of muscles to in <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. The best part, tell him who you traded him for. Uh, I got Shane Bieber out of that deal.
2: And, and, uh, <laughs> and uh I would hear that up on every
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time I brought it up, but it's only because this is the first base preview. I won the league the next year, so <laughs> <laughs> He hit and he hit two twenty eight, three forty eight, three sixty eight the rest of the season. He was hitting 280, 393, 509 at the time. Other than that, one hundred and sixty one plate appearance sample with the Yankees, he's been he's been really good since joining the Yankees, including that sample. He's two hundred seventy nine 372 543. That is a really nice triple slash. The guy has uh, the guy has great power, uh, and I think that you saw this past season that he was over that 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 injury, and he had a little foot injury at the end of 2019, and he started that power just started to show up. And with the way he barrels the ball, I think he's a guy who's going to continue to show that power. He's going to be among the league leaders in home runs this year again. And unlike Pete Alonzo you're hoping to get a 250, with Luke Voigt, you're thinking you might get a 280 out of it. So I think this is a guy who's a true four-category contributor because of his walks, because of his RBIs in the lineup, because of the home runs, and the fact that he hits 280. And he's going behind Pete Alonso, who frankly might have slightly more power, but he has a lot, a lot of batting average concerns in my view. So uh, Luke Voigt's a guy who I'm targeting in a lot of drafts. I will hundred times out of a hundred take him over Pete Alonzo. I agree one hundred percent with you, Cheesecake. Uh, but you guys haven't mentioned the name of the guy I'm going to bring up, and I may be a little biased because I wrote up him up uh, actually like a week ago, and I was really able to dig in to what he's been doing, and that is Vlad Guerrero Jr. of uh, what Bubba calls the Baby Blue Jays, and this is taboo. I know this is like this is that drug you can't quit. Everybody's on him every year, and now people are kind of straying away, but. Digging deep into Vlad Jr., hit the ball hard. He still continues to hit the ball hard. He had a 92.5 mile per hour exit velocity, which was top seven percent in the league last year. He added to that with a 50.8 percent hard hit rate, which also was in the top seven percent. His barrel percentage went up in uh, went up in the tune that he also uh, produced the lowest amount of weak contact in his career. So, a lot of greats of powerful hitting lowered his pool percentage, also used the entire field more than he's ever used in his career, so he can hit the ball wherever he wants. I'm not worried about shifts, anything like that with him too much. So let's dive into a big topic, and that's his weight. So if you look into it last year, he came to, what's it called, summer camp at 282, the highest it's ever been. And what seems to kind of had changed his mindset from being this just big oaf that just has some hitting potential but doesn't really maximize it is he talked about Juan Soto? Talked about Fernando Tatis? And he said, "I want that." And he wasn't. Un- he was unhappy with what his results were compared to guys that were kind of in his class. So he realized he couldn't just rely on his God-given talent. And when people are seeing this weight loss that he has going into the off- like or this off season, they think, "Oh, he lost a lot of weight. He's going to gain it back." People aren't realizing he lost the weight throughout the season. This wasn't something he went from this to this after the season. He actually lost it throughout the season, and it shows in his numbers. In the season's first 21 games, he slashed 222, 292, 383 with four doubles and three home runs. If you look over the next 39 games as he was continuing to lose weight, he jumped that to 286, 351, 507 slash, nine doubles, two triples, and six home runs. And that is a credit, as he's talking about, to his weight loss. As he said, his swing started slow in the season. And then when he lost, he dropped 20 pounds, he said his body felt better and his hands felt quicker. And I put a gif kind of when I put this on uh, for my Fantrax article, there's a, a difference of his two swings. And you can see that he's very unathletic looking, kind of slow to the ball. But as he lost the weight, he increased his athleticism in his swing, allowed for more plate coverage, adjustability, and bat speed, and not to mention power and force. He obviously has to get that ground ball percentage up if he's going to do anything uh, it was at 50% each of the last two years and has a putrid launch angle. was under five last year. So I think he obviously, that launch angle is going to be a big deal. I'm hoping he committed a lot of errors. 17 at third base in 96 games in 2019. Committed three in 34 games at first in 2020. So I think hopefully Vlad is going to get a little more accustomed to playing first base. And I know he's been playing some third base uh, in the Dominican Winter League. But maybe athletic, maybe that helps him out a little bit. But people need to remember it took Pujols four years to settle into his position. Six years for Miguel Cabrera. Both first bout of Hall of Famers that didn't have success defensively right away. Ste- uh, Steamer projects him to have 29 home runs. And I don't think that's completely ridiculous. I think once that launch angle's fixed, he's crazy. I really think this is the year for Vlad. You saw that home run he hit in the Dominican League. He looks great. I'm 100% in on this being the year of Vlad Guerrero Jr. Stamp! It's the stamp of approval, baby. Chris, what do you think about Vlad? Are you kind of like, I'm I'm done trusting him? Or are you kind of buying in that this could be a big change in his kind of approach and, and how he performs?
2: Is, is it time for us to pivot to who we don't like the most? If this the is time a perfect time? transition, then let's, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. So, so... Uh... First of all, I love love the concept of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, I love like the aesthetic. I, I, I mean, I would, could not have been happier when I, he, he watched that uh, that you know the home run home run derby. Um, his dad is one of my favorite players of all time. I own the jersey. He you know just loved the way he could like hit a ball off the ground in the dirt six inches in front of home plate and put it in you know park it for a double. Um, and I'm a dynasty. I remain all in on Vlad. I love him. I own him in different places and uh and, and highly endorse him. And you could be right. Like, you totally could be right. All those things could happen. But, like, for me, it's just not worth it to bet on him when there's, like, so many other players that will produce similar range of outcomes that I think you can get later. So I love him as a player. He's, like, he's probably one of my top ten, like, mandatory watching. Like, when he goes up to bat, I want to watch it every time. And I, I, pray that you're right that this is the year he breaks out. I just think that when I look at the top 10, the cost that you have to, the, the you have to pay for him, it just doesn't justify the likely range of outcomes. The top 10% outcome, yeah, he could be the MVP of the league. But, um, he's clearly shown that he's struggling a little bit. And I, I think the way things are a little bit overblown, the attitude things are a little bit overblown. I think we like to read our own, uh, in, not, not you specifically, Dave, but like, as an industry, I think we do that a lot. We've done that with him for sure. Um, who knows, like what it's what he's going through and, and what's going on uh, in his personal life, Um, but uh, and he's living in a big shadow. I mean, like his dad's like one of the you know everyone's favorite hitter for in the last like twenty years, so that's tough. But I think he's going to get it. And I think he's going to get there. I just don't, and I it could be this year. I'm not arguing against it. I just think for the price, it's not over. for me. He's the guy that I will not target in this top ten because he's going so high. And when we were looking at first base ADP. He's fifth, but LeMayhew is included in that. Really, we're all going to put LeMayhew in second. So you're talking about the fourth first baseman coming off the board and he could definitely justify that. I hope he does because I'm such a fanboy when it comes to who he is as a player and what he can represent for baseball. And by the way, if you haven't seen his, uh, you know, dance uh, coming up, I think it's the Undertaker's music in the Dominican league on Twitter. You got to check it out. It's hysterical, uh, in the locker room. Uh, but it's such a great personality and a fun, 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 fun guy to root for. I just don't think that price, the price is too high for the outcome. He also, if he ra- if he stole 15, 20 bags, if that was in the range of outcome, mm-hmm. I might be more in on it. But I think his sprint speed, when you look at it, it's one of the only things that's not read on, uh, on the stat data.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. there's no argument for me because he is such a mixed bag of outcomes. Like you said, that top 10%, he could be the American League MVP, or you yeah. have that bottom 10%, he's hurt. He gains weight back. He's a complete slug and, uh, you know, it ends up being a huge wasted pick. He's right now around basically a late fourth, early fifth round pick. So it's, it's not nothing. It definitely is a cost. If I'm not mistaken, I think last year he was more of a three, four. Yeah. So he definitely, he lost a, went down around, which I think is good. Um, so that's, that's a little bit more why I'm a little more in on him along with the, the weight loss. And, and it seems like his mindset is a little bit changed. But again, very volatile player. So if you are taking him, you are taking that risk. So I think it's a good point. That Chris brings that up. Doc, who are you staying away from in this top ten? Okay, so we've already mentioned that we kind of don't like him. So I'm going to just full send I don't like Pete Alonzo at his draft position. And he's ranked number six. So he played 57 games in 2020. 26 of those games he didn't have a hit. And 21 games he had one hit. So that means in 82.4% of his games, he had zero or one hit. So in a points league, I mean, he, he strikes out at a career 26% rate. So points league, he's really dinging you if he doesn't hit the ball. Two career stolen bases, so he's not going to give you that category as well. You're really banking on home runs with him, and first base is probably one of the deepest positions for home runs. Luke Voigt on Fantasy Pros was the 20th ranked first base coming into this season and led the league in home runs. You look if there's no DH in the NL. Uh, he's gonna be with Dom Smith, Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, JD Davis, Brandon Nimmo, and, uh, yeah. Oh, future, future met right there. I, I know, I hope, uh, Simeon's probably hoping on that. But I'm looking, even if he does have the power, he probably won't have another 50 home run season. There have been eight players in MLB history that have had multiple 50 home run seasons. That's Babe Ruth, Jimmy Fox, um, Ralph Kiner, uh, Sammy Sosa, A. Rod, Mark Mavar, Ken Griffey. Um, it's a lot of good names there. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a lot of names from the steroid era too. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I love Pete Alonso, but I don't see him in that class. And I think part of the reason that he's at six is everybody loves him. If you're a fan of the game, he's a polar bear. He's he's that guy that you want to root for, and I think that has a little bit of a bias in his ADP because. I don't think that you can, even just from last year, you can rank him at the sixth ranked first baseman. So he's somebody I'm strongly avoiding for where he's ranked. That's fair. I, uh, I don't know if there's something in the water in Baltimore, Eric, but I think both of us never talk this much, usually. That's something Cheesecake does. I think maybe we've been hanging out with Cheesecake a little bit too much. I just took a lot of notes to try to impress Chris tonight. <laughs> I like it. By the way, I don't know if you guys
2: know this, I can't remember if it came up in May, but I lived in Baltimore for 10 years. All three of my sons were born there, and uh, I have a strong affinity for the region. And I can say O the right way. <laughs> <laughs> say it during the national anthem, too. <laughs> yeah. Earl and Warder and all those wonderful words. <laughs>
0: I forgot. Did you say you still visit the area at all? Oh, uh, yeah. Well,
2: I mean, like I said, we go down there, uh, uh, you know, we go down the ocean once in a while, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that when this pandemic is over, we're going to have to make sure this little this link up happens. Uh, But, Cheesecake, I want to go back to you and give us your player in the top 10 that you're not touching. Well, I think that uh, Chris touched on D.J. LeMayhu about how he's going to be played at second base. He is a first base, second base, and third, bl- third base eligible. And I think right now, uh, if you're going to be picking D.J. LeMayhu, he's going at draft price 27. That's a little steep for me. And that's based almost entirely on the fact that we don't know where he's going to be playing. This is uh, D.J. LeMayhu had one season. Of an OPS plus over 100 prior to coming to New York. Uh, this is a guy with no speed and no real pop outside of New York. Um, so you look at what he did in his three seasons prior to coming to New York 34 home runs in almost 1900 plate appearances. Since joining New York, 36 home runs in 871 plate appearances. This is a guy, this is a player. I'm gonna say this is a guy again, like 57 times. That's um, your trademark. It, I, I got I to gotta come up with a new crutch. DJ LeMayhew um, has great bat tools. He's a good bat-to-ball player. And he's going to hit for a high average, but he has no speed. And uh, outside of New York, he has no pop. So if you're picking him at 27, you're picking basically assuming he's going back to New York. Right now, there's a current gap. From what all reports are saying that there's a gap of some 25 million or more between what LeMayhu wants and what the Yankees are willing to offer. That's a big gap. And if you're going to talk about a team like the Yankees, they'll go in a different direction if they have to. Uh, they'll go to Lindor. Uh, they'll go to uh, another trade, perhaps Trevor Stories on the market. They're not going to, uh, they're not going to sit here and, and wait for, for LeMahieu to wait them out. And LeMahieu's out looking for other offers, too, obviously, because he wants to have something to be like, hey, Yankees, are you going to match this Blue Jays offer? Are you going to match this? I can't even think of another team that's going to be spent Mets offer. But, uh, you know, if I think the Yankees will let him go if he gets a big offer from another team. Right now, they're waiting for him to come back and say, all right, I'll take that lower offer. But he's great when he's in New York. And if he's in New York, Twenty-seven draft price isn't isn't extreme. I got him at forty-fourth in a best ball draft recently. I thought that was a good price, but I'm playing him at second base there too as well. So I, I, I think that that also plays into it. His 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 positional versatility is really valuable. But like I said, you're not going to get the stats that you're hoping for out of DJ LeMay if he, he's not playing for the Yankees. Uh, and so that for that reason. Because we have uncertainty about where he's going to be. I think LeMahieu is being overdrafted right now at around 27. I think most of the baseball world is going to be pretty shocked if he's not back in New York. I think that's New York's A, B, and C priority. So I'm kind of... In, I'll be very, very interested to see if he goes somewhere else. I mean, he he deserves kind of what he wants at this point for how he's played. I think the Yankees are more hesitant on the amount of years he wants. I think yeah. I read he wants like a five-year deal or something. And isn't he like 34 or something like that? So that... that can definitely be a little scary. I think he's 32, and I I had heard that the Lindor market will heat up once Lemayhew signs. That 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 a lot of teams are waiting for that to happen for the market for Lindor to heat up. So you know maybe the Yankees are the team that makes the splash. The the the, the thing that you have to remember about the Yankees is that they can you move Glaver Torres? To second base if they if they need to to pick up a shortstop, they don't need to pick up a second baseman to replace LeMayhu. They they don't they don't they can go get a shortstop if they need to. But I, I agree with you. I expect him to be back in New York. But right now at this point in time, they, we just have no certainty there. And you're picking him like we are certain. And to me, that's not a that's not a winning draft strategy. That's taking a chance. And when you're picking in your second or third round pick, you don't want to take chances. You want to get. Certainty in those first few rounds. If I'm DJ nope. Lemayu's agent, I say John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, Miguel Andujar. They can't stay healthy. DJ can sign in Case closed. There you, there you go. I want to keep mine really simple, quick, and simple. Um, and that's Cody Bellinger, and his profile is awesome. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. His barrel percentage, exit velocity, launch angle, hard hit rate, and walk rate were all down. His K rate was up slightly, so those are some things that trouble me a little bit. His X stats were better than his actual stats by a decent amount, so you know that there was gonna be some hopeful regression for him there. But he really regressed versus breaking pitches this season by eighty batting average points to be exact. And he did chase a little bit more. His first swing pitch swing was up, ground ball was up and fly ball line drive rate was down, had a higher weak contact percentage. And look, Cody is gonna be good, but at the same time, this is a guy that's tinkered with his swing multiple times. And I, I don't know why. I just said the art catch line right there. Uh, he's someone that's tinkers with his swing a, a few times already. And when I'm looking at the beginning of the draft, where you're taking Bellinger right now, he's the second first baseman off the board. And his average ADP is closer to 15. So this is someone in a 15-team league that you're getting as kind of the back-to-back. Uh, or in a 12-team league, you get really early in the second round. This is kind of where I'm in the Chris mentality of I would rather wait on a first baseman than take Bellinger here. I know he's outfield eligible as well, but he doesn't feel as much of a slam dunk to be a flat out stud as a couple other guys that I think I could get in that range at a different position. It's strictly for me, just his draft price to get him. Not that he's not a good player. And again, as the number two first baseman off the board, Give me again. I'm big on Vlad. I'll, I'll take him a lot later and take a, a starting pitcher there. Who I want more pitching in the draft early, anyway. Um, you know, I will wait on a Luke Boyd or a Matt Olson. Other guys will get to later. So personally, I like to target more pitching, and he goes where a lot of times you can get your pitchers. And I'm just not sold on his uh, all the stuff that goes into his profile as someone that's going to be a flat out uh, your first. Draft pick or your early second draft pick is someone that might pay off that and then some. So that's why I'm staying away from Cody Bellinger. I I, I'm gonna just jump in here. I think Cody at first base is is a five tool player, and not as an outfielder, but as a first baseman, he's the only five tool player that we have. His his projections are really crazy. Like they project him to hit 280. I think he probably should project for more of a 260 they project him with 40 home runs like so maybe batting average he's not batting average but he's he's about league average at batting average so he's a 4-2 player with that speed tool but he has the upside of a higher batting average because of that i'd be willing to take him but i do i do agree with you that he is riskier than a lot of the other guys in the same area yeah i think- are we not going to talk about the elephant in the room that he had right shoulder surgery? I feel like that's a big deal oh, that Chris mentioned that he popped his shoulder out and pops it back. Yeah. The yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that I want on. I don't want to miss out on him. So I wouldn't mind having him on one or two places, but he's, you know, he's not someone I want. I'm targeting for consistent shares mm-hmm. across, uh, across my teams. Um, you know, he's, he, like I said, in a mock, I think I got, I think it was a 15-team mock where I got Bellinger, or Yellich and Bellinger in the first and the second. And I thought that was a great start because, mm-hmm. but that's, that, and then what I would do after that, by the way, is back it up with more stable players that I, you know, didn't have maybe the upside, but also didn't have the, the floor of, you know, didn't have too low a floor. But I, he, I, I won't be mad at him, but I would just, I would, if I had him on my team, I wouldn't be mad about it, but. I want to build the rest of my team around it because there is a, a, a lot of risk there. You want to back it up in the right way.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Let's move to the next range of players, and that's the 11 to 20 range. And this is where Chris is more going to be drafting first baseman here because, like you were saying earlier. I want further down. I want to go even down. further. Okay. I'll put on somewhere. And then after 20 is all Chris's range there. So. Chris, why don't you give us someone 11 through 20? You might not draft a lot, but you like.
2: Yeah, I'm joking a little bit. I, 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 there's some players in here that I like, but I just think first base is so deep. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um So once again, I'm going to go for the theme here, which give me the guys at the bottom, uh, because I'll take, the, I don't think they're going to be similar in production to the guys at the top of the range. The, and you can take either one. I mean, I'll just speak briefly about both. But Christian Walker at 19 and Josh mm-hmm. Bell at 20. I like both of them. Walker, I probably like a little bit more. He's just the most boring guy in the world. I like the fact that they throw throwing five bases. I was looking at Steamer. They have been at two forty seven batting average. I think that's low. I think he's going to be closer to where he was last year. He's going to be league average and batting average. It's going to give you 25 and 90. The Dynabacks have a really interesting team, and I don't know when they're going to start calling up these prospects, but they've got some of the best-hitting prospects in baseball. And he his counting stats could go up if that lineup catches fire a little bit. Um I expect to bounce back from Kettle Marte, I expect to bounce back from Eduardo Escobar. Um, and I think that, you know, you get, I don't, I don't too soon for Christian Robinson, but maybe Corbin Carroll or Alec Thomas come up in the second half of the season because they find themselves contending and you can have a little bit of a hot line up there. So Walker's probably the guy that I take. I do love Josh Bell at 20. He doesn't run at all. He's not going to give you Walker's four or five steals, which is why I gave him the edge. But other than that, they're probably the same, uh, similar line. Bell probably has a higher ceiling and floor than Walker. So. This would once again depend on team construction. If I was looking for someone to just give me a steady Eddie and I'd be like, okay, just let me punch it in. I'd, I'd go with Walker. If I want, if I was like, okay, I might need a little bit more of my first baseman here. Maybe I want to go for a little, take a little bigger swing. I'd, I'd take Bell they're basically going right around each other. So those are, that's, that's
0: my kind of combo
2: pick for guys I'm targeting.
0: So for Josh Bell, I'm kind of interesting to, or interested to hear. Do you think he spends the whole year in Pittsburgh and that if they move him, to a better lineup that he could way outproduce his ADP. Does that go into your decision at all?
2: It's a little bit. I, I, I mean, very, very little to be honest. Like, I think that's just too, too speculative. He's more, well, quite frankly, just like any other player, he's more likely to get hurt, you know, between mm-hmm. now and then to get traded. So, uh, it's, it, it's good to dream on. It's a good reason for di- in dynasty. You, you know, I take him over Walker and dynasty for that reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but he's not, you know, He's more about, from listening to, like, people that... Um, you listen to someone like uh, James Anderson, uh, who looks at fantasy prospects, but also understands real prospects, uh, over at Rotowire, you know, he'll tell you he's way more valuable in fantasy than reality. And so I don't think there's going to be, like, this hot market for Josh Bell uh, in baseball. Uh, it's just, he's not... In terms, I mean, he doesn't play up the middle. He's not elite at anything. And so he's a good, like... He fills our categories and stuffs the stats, but he's not a real life target for a lot of GMs. So I think there's a small chance he goes and he'll probably go to a better ballpark and a better lineup if he does, but there's also a slight possibility he gets traded to a team that's contending and he's not even a full time player. He goes down to like, you know, uh, you know, a platoon. So I, I think there's a little bit more ups. Part of maybe part of the reason he has slightly more upside than Walker is that, but, uh, to me, I'm not going to place a, a lot of, a lot of weight in that.
0: Like that. Doc, what about you? Who are you looking at in this range? So for me, I love Paul Goldschmidt at twelve and he's played hundred fifty five plus games in the last five years prior to this one. And for me, the best ability is availability. Somebody that you know it's barring an an injury is gonna be playing cheesy year in year out. Very cheesy, go ahead. It's cliche. It's not cheesy. That's that's art for you. But he had three oh four with a four seventeen on base percentage last year. In fact, He's been, he's had a 400 plus on base percentage four out of the last six years. Um, he's had 30 plus home runs in three out of the last four years. I think the big drop off with him is his stolen bases because from 2015 to 2017, it's 71 stolen bases. And that's when he was, you know, the, the roto darling, the first base that's going to get him some steals. He even had 32 in a season and the last three seasons he's had 11. So I can understand why his his ranking gets dropped a little bit because he's not going to give you that same upside that he had in Arizona. But he's a consistent hitter. He plays a lot. The Cardinals paid him, so it's not like he's going to be on the bench. And the fact that he's the 12th-ranked first baseman I think is crazy. And if I don't get Matt Olson, I am targeting Paul Goldschmidt later. All right, well... Definitely, I don't hear him being talked up too much. So you might be in a, uh, camp by yourself there, but he has slipped. His ADP has slipped a lot over the last couple of years. So it's a lot more of an affordable risk there. Cheesecake. Someone in this range that you are just going goo, goo, gaga for. What do we got? Well, nobody that I'm goo, goo, gaga for. Uh, I, I'm, I am, I took Chris's, Chris's viewpoint on this and I like Josh Bell's upside here. He's the last one on this list, but he has a, he's a career 116 OPS plus, and he showed during that hot streak at the beginning of 2019 that he has the potential to put in these monster numbers. So you know it's in him. That's an old Ron Chandler quote. Once they show a skill, they they have that skill. So, so you know that that skill is in him. But what you saw is production crater in 20, cratered against off-speed pitches and breaking pitches, and his fastball production dropped too. Uh, he also uh, lowered his launch angle significantly in 20, where he had brought it up in 19 to, to have that little power surge. But what you did also see from Josh Bell is that his exit velo maintained and his hard hit percentage uh still maintained in the top 70%. So this is a guy who's making good contact with the ball. He's hitting the ball hard, but he is not hitting the ball up like he did in 19 when he had that 37 home run season. Like Chris said, he's the guy who you take when you're going for that upside. I drafted him in a best ball league, waited on first base, waited, waited, waited. Finally got Josh Bell late, backed him up with a few guys quickly thereafter, just in case Josh Bell does crater. If you're looking for upside around round pick, what is it, like 190 at first base, Josh Bell has a ton of it. And I do also believe that in 2020, there's a lot of ways you can just kind of throw it away for for a lot of players because it was a weird season. They had a weird summer. All hitters were a bit more tentative. Swing percentage went down for the whole league. Pitchers were a bit more dominant. I think you can kind of throw it out and give everyone a fresh start. But uh, you, you take it into consideration a little bit, But uh, but I do think if you're looking for upside from 10 to 20, waiting around and getting Josh Bell, you can do a lot worse than that. Agree, don't disagree with anything you said. And I think I'm kind of in a line with how a lot of you guys are, that this isn't a range of players that you're excited to draft. You just, you'll take them, I guess. And that kind of fits here with me with Eric Cosmer and someone who I was able to grab in my NFBC draft, basically the last couple rounds for free. And you looked at one of the biggest holes in his game going into 2020 was his inability to put the ball in the air. He had a 56% for higher ground ball rate since 2016. And if he was going to become a productive fantasy player, he had to decrease this. But he was very stubborn and basically wanted to do what got him there and stick with it. And he finally kind of took a different approach and and worked his swing to where uh, he not only cut nearly 13% off his ground ball rate, but he upped his line drive rate to a career best at over 30%. That's a big reason why he was on an over thirty home run pace for the first time in his career. He had never hit more than twenty five, and this tied in the fact that he started pulling the ball more, had the highest percentage of pull balls in his career, and he just seemed like he was more overall comfortable at the plate. Um, he had a swing, obviously, the swing changed to lift the ball up more. But if you look under the hood, and if you look at his analytics, they match his production. He he was uh, his BABIP was actually the lowest it's been since twenty twelve. So he wasn't necessarily getting good luck with balls in play. Hosmer had a WRC plus of 127, which was also the second highest of his career and the highest since 2017. Hosmer also tied his career high in exit velocity just under 91 miles an hour, and he established a career high hard hit percentage at 47%, which coincided with his barrel percentage reaching 10% for the first time in his career. Hosmer also seemed to get a better field strike zone, lowering his K percentage for the first time in three years, and had a big jump in his O contact percentage, which was 69.5% which uh, was nearly 20% higher than his 2019 numbers. So obviously the highest in his career by a wide margin. And this was with a similar chase rate. So it's not like he was just swinging and missing a lot more. He has the same exact uh, chasing outside the zone. So, again, more aggressive, seemed more comfortable at the plate. When you draft Hosmer, you do have to know he does not walk. His walk rates have gone down every year over the last four years to now down to under 6%. And the other thing that scares me a little bit about him is that his last 12 games of the year, he hit uh, 44 at bats, 204 average, one homer, seven RBIs, and then it carried over into the playoffs for six games, which he hit 160 with one homer and four RBIs. And that's 18 games of total data in Hosmer's 38 regular season games and his playoff appearances, which makes up 41% of his season. So you don't necessarily know what you're getting with Hosmer, but I'm, I'm more believing like he had the injury at the end of the year. I think that's what kind of made his numbers spike down. And I kind of believe in what I'm looking into his profile that he's made those adjustments and that the the ground ball percentage going up and his lack of production had to do with the injury. I think at the 15th first baseman off the board at pick 137, it's kind of a, I know you used it before, Chris, like a kind of a steady Eddie type of guy. He's not going to be flashy, but. Hey, I haven't hit first base yet. He slipped a little bit. No one's on a sexy name, so I'll just plug him in my first baseman spot or a corner infield spot and just move on, you know. So that's kind of why I'm a little bit okay with taking Hosmer as the fifteenth off the board. David, yeah. I I love that you said I'm going to touch on this quickly. Also, David talks about Eric Hosmer <laughs> for three minutes. <laughs> well, I I kind of was trying to do Cody Bellinger quick, but. You giving people some good analysis, you know, we're not yeah. just, good oh, it's great analysis. Yeah,
2: I, I think, uh, I, I think Hosmer's a good accumulator, like a good guy in that lineup. going to give you above average runs in RBI. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the only mark he has against him, and they're going to, they pay him so much, they're going to play him. And, mm-hmm. uh, the only mark against him for me is, you know, the way he tried to kind of big time, uh, Tatis, uh, on the Grand Slam with, uh, with the Rangers mm-hmm. during the year. But, uh, I think, uh, it's clear it's Tati's team now and, uh, Hosmer's, uh, you know, I think he's probably a good leader. Everyone says he's a good leader, a good teammate, a lot of things of that nature. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure he's going to be fine in terms of, uh, the way that team plays moving forward. But I like him as a, if you, he, just falls to you and you take him and you're fine and you plug it in and it's probably better than you expect
0: Yeah. And Chris, you had two ways of simple way of, of kind of talking about why he's valuable. One, he's, in the middle of arguably the best lineup in baseball and two his contract so big he's going to play so playing time is the biggest indicator if you're getting at bats it means you can accumulate stats which is great for fantasy and he's in a great lineup so really good way of putting that very simply Chris I want to stay with you and let's go to the flip side of the coin and someone that you are not having anything to do with in this range you know,
2: there's not really anyone like that. This is just a bunch of guys that I don't mind if I get, but I'm not targeting is really this range. I would, the way I describe the entire group. I mean, I'm scared of Reese Hoskins' health. I'm going to assume I'm not going to take that out because right now I would not take, I would not be drafting Reese Hoskins at 18, uh, if we're drafting now. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were drafting in February, March and he had a clean bill of health, I think it's a different conversation, but, uh, I'm not taking him. But the guy that I just think is getting a little bit overdrafted here, and I like him and I, I've liked him for a while is, is Ryan Mountcastle. He's getting drafted. It seems to me like at the top of what his potential probably is. He's not going to be like one of these 40 home run hitters. Like this. that's just not who he is. So that's probably not going to hit for a super high average. And while I like where the O's are going, um, and I think they're going to, they're going to get there. I don't see that. I don't know that they're necessarily going to score a ton of runs this year. So, um, like, you know, more than they have. So for me, you're talking about a guy that's probably mid twenties, home runs, seventy five run RBI, seventy something runs with a two sixty to two seventy five batting average. Nothing wrong with that player, and you know he's not going to kill you. But there are just other players that are going lower that have a sim. Once again, like either have higher upside or have a similar range of outcomes. I'd just rather take them. Uh, you know, you could go Trey Mancini's going. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, seven rounds, seven, seven later here on this ladder uh, a first base rankings Hunter Dozier you know there's guys like that that I just think are probably gonna produce about the same thing and you're getting them older so that's just the reason nothing against malcal I think he's fine um, some of the StatCast cast numbers are uh, uninspiring but um uh, I still I think he's a solid hitter who's just gonna put up mediocre numbers maybe fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder numbers or uh probably you know late corner, you know, the, the late corner infielder numbers, you still need to take
0: them Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I don't disagree with anything you said. I, I think this range, like you said, it is, uh, just to take a Seinfeld reference, it's, uh, is it, was it solid, but not spectacular? Like, uh, they're real, but there's no, I'm, I'm mixing up certain things here, <laughs> but, uh, it's They're real, and they're spectacular. Yeah, but that wasn't what I was Yeah, problem. but that wasn't. That <laughs> is not at all
2: what this group is yeah,
0: like. Well. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, I scratched that.
0: Uh, all right, Doc, save me here. Go ahead and talk about yours. All right, so I agree with everything that Chris said, too, and those were a couple guys that I wasn't high on either. But I'm really not high on Mike Mustakis for being the 14th-ranked first baseman. And I know he has that second-base eligibility, which maybe bumps him up a little bit. But he's 32 years old, and he's up this K percentage each of the last five years. It's gone from 11.5 to 15.7, 16.2, 16.8, and last season jumped up to 22.1%. So that's kind of the wrong trend that I'm looking at. Um, he hits for some power. He's had two seasons with 30-plus homers. He's never had 100 RBI. so that's letting you know a lot of those home runs might be solo blasts or with not many people on base. His war dropped from 2.8 to .7 last year. And I think he's he's we've probably seen the best days from him. I'd rather like Chris said, take a Hunter Dozier or a Trey Mancini later. I think I'd rather take someone with more that's younger and has more upside. But I think Mike Mustakis's best playing days, at least fantasy wise, are in the rearview mirror. a bold so. take there. Bold cotton. <laughs> Where's my uh oh, spicy? The spicy take there. Uh,
2: by the way, the the real and spectacular that is Terry Hatcher, uh, who later went on to be a pretty famous actress in her own right. Back when a lot of young actresses went on Seinfeld to get their big break,
0: that that was her that said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, the, isn't that like a YouTube montage of like all the Seinfeld actors that you, before you knew them, and then okay,
2: I'm sure she's a part of it. but Yeah,
0: okay, uh, cheesecake. Someone in this range you are not a fan of. Well, mm-hmm. I. I'm just going to start off by saying that I'm a huge fan of Terry Hatcher. And, uh, I, I'm going to have to re, re, uh, you know, recover right now and collect myself. Okay. All right. Who was I going to talk about? I'm not a fan. Terry, you're talking about Terry. Good. <laughs> uh, Jake Cronenworth is the guy who I'm not a fan of in this range. He has great positional flexibility. Uh, first, second, and short, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he produced really well in his small samples in in San Diego in 2020. San Diego's a great lineup. He showed good stats. He had a 285, 354, 477 slash. What's not to like about this? Well, I'll tell you what's not to like. The one thing that I believe you can really count on from Jake Cronenworth is his batting average. In 2,200 plate appearances, minor league plate appearances, he had a 283 batting average. He hit 285. 2020 in the majors, I think you can count on him for a 280 batting average. He also shows a pretty good walk rate. Uh not not amazing, but pretty decent walk rate and he doesn't strike out a ton. All good stuff. All good bat to ball skills. I like that. But what else are you getting from Jake Jake Cronenworth? In tw- in 2020 major league, he had the 477 slugging in 2200 minor league plate appearances, he had a 394 slugging percentage. 22 home runs and 2,214 plate appearances. That's six over 600 plate appearances. That is a dismal pace and and something that if you get him, you have to really make up for it. In other parts of your draft, you have to make up a lot for it. You, you're really hoping that he's going to get you at least 10 to 15 because then you're not having to scramble so much to make up for it. When you say, Art, little cheesecake, come on. Jake Cronenworth has speed. He's in the 92nd percentile of sprint speed. Yeah, that's great. He can run fast. But did you also know that he had only a 70% stolen base percentage in minor leagues? That is not good. Uh I know the Padres are fine with running, but if a guy is getting caught three out of every 10 times, even the most running aggressive manager is going to put the brakes on him a little bit. So I think, Right now, from the picture I'm painting for you is he has batting average, right? Doesn't really have power, has speed, but he doesn't really steal at a high percentage, so that might not come through as you'd hope. Now, what about his counting stats? He's hitting in a great lineup. That lineup has great upside. Right, but he's probably going to hit 7th or 8th in that lineup. So he's not going to be getting all the counting stats that you guys at the top of the lineup are going to get. They're hoping to bat... They're hoping to bat... uh, 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 Tommy Pham up at the top of the lineup. They're hoping to bat Trent Grisham up at the top of the lineup. Fernando Tatis, your boy Hosmer, Manny Machado. He's batting 7th or 8th, and uh, he's not going to be getting the same sort of counting stats or the same sort of at-bats as those at the top of the lineup. So the final nail in the coffin for me is that this guy also has bad platoon splits. His career uh, in 2020 in the majors, he had 218 against lefties. He's a lefty, and 316 against righties. So I see when they, now that because they do have a long-time quad A prospect type guy named Jorge Mateo who might be the short side platoon at second base, while Crow is the strong side platoon at second base. I see that as a distinct possibility if he continues to hit under 220. Against left handers. So for that, at 153, you're not getting what you're hoping to get out of Cronenworth. You've got a great season in 2020. Kudos to you, Cronenworth. But I don't think you're going to be getting that 153rd pick value. And, uh, I wouldn't be drafting him. Does that change at all? Are you, if he's eligible for first, second, and I believe shortstop as well in this format here, if, how do you feel the same way about him at second base? Like, are you staying away from it as a second baseman as well? Well, I am because I like to attack second base early because it's such a shallow position and I like to get the positional advantage when I'm drafting. So I want to get, I want to get Whitmer, Merrifield really most of the time because I, I really like his profile. I think Whit Merrifield is like DJ LeMayhew outside of, outside of New York with some speed and a little bit more pop actually. So I really like where he's going. He's going in the 40s or 50s. So I'm targeting a guy like Merrifield or maybe a Cattell Marte bounce back. I'm not going to be waiting on second baseman. So preview for that.
2: You're down with wit. You can spell no. wit and with with the same letters. I'll tell you, that is the War take is a hot take because his stat page is redder than the Communist Party. I mean, <laughs> that is like, it's, I, I wanted to go Cronor's. I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't want you to have cheesecake. You, you got, you got the, the huevos to pull it off. Uh, cause I was, I was looking at it. I was like, I just, I can't bet against it. I can't bet against him. Um, he also helped me a lot last season. So I got a little bias and I just <laughs> like the swagger he plays with it. And the multi eligibility uh, is, is a big bonus. He won't be playing first base for most of my teams unless something goes wrong, but I'll have, I'll have him on a number of rosters, uh, in that, in that second shortstop uh, approach.
0: Well, I I also can... I'm going to pay the guy at Fantrax 20 bucks to delete this episode if he blows up. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay him... 40 bucks to leave it in.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll add another 40 if he makes sound effects of how wrong Art is. You, you,
2: you guys, you guys are, are are not thinking of the correct currency. The, the way to pay people at Fantrax is through coffee milk. You just have to talk to Aaron Cross about Coffee milk. milk. Oh,
0: okay, <laughs> that's, true. that's true. I need to ask him about that. Uh, the one guy I'm going to add, and Chris already touched on him, Reese Hoskins, the injury obviously walks a, at a great clip. So that's really good for him. But, if he's healthy, he's already shown he's had streaky power at best. Um, and his batting averages over the last three seasons are two forty-six, two twenty-six, two forty-five. And his expected are, batting averages are even worse over that time. He struggled versus the fastball for most of this year. And his batting average and slugging percentage versus the fastball have declined in each of his last four Major League seasons. His whiff percentage also jumped 8% against the fastball. And if you look at his fly ball rate, the league average fly ball rate is around 35%. Rhys Koskins, mm-hmm. who would consider a supposed power hitter, had a fly ball rate of 32.4%. So where did he make up for it in getting some home runs? He's excelled in having a home run fly ball rate at 14.3% in his entire big league career. And good home run hitters te- typically average about a 15 to 20% home run to fly ball rate. So with his decreasing fly ball rate as it is, as it's gone down every single year, can you rely on that great percentage of home run fly ball freight from if he's putting the ball on the ground more? That's what scares me. So for 2021, you have the surgery, you have his streakiness, you have his inconsistencies. And on top of that, you have Alec Bohm, who looked like a stud this season, uh, batting 338 with four homers and 23 RBIs. And they also have depth with Gene Segura and Sean Kangary there. So I'm completely staying away from Reese Hoskins for those reasons. Um, but. Without further ado, we'll get to the last player we're going to talk about outside the top twenty. And now this is Chris's range. We <laughs> got a ton, him. Now.
2: Ton of guys, ton of guys. I love. I love. Uh, I love uh, Carlos uh, Santana at thirty five. Nate. Uh, I love Nate Lowe at thirty nine. I love Joey Votto at forty two. But the guy I'm going to go with is Garrett Cooper at thirty eight. Mm. And just Garrett Cooper's just always been a hitter. Like he's just a. He can just flat out hit. Like you watch him. And he gets that. You uh, can just see he knows how to hit. And he's got this injury-prone label, but he's got two of the major injuries were off hit by pitches, which you can't ignore. But it's not like this is a guy that just continuously has soft tissue issues that keep him off the field. Um, you know, the Marlins re-signed him. They also, I think, re-signed Aguilar. If the NLDH doesn't happen, his at bats will probably be not be full time. But he's play. He can play first base, left field, or right field, which issues cannot. And he just hits the ball. And, uh, uh, you watch, if you watch the Marlins play and the, when they needed to win, they were batting him in the five hole. And, uh, I think Maddenly likes him there. I think he earned Maddenly's respect this year. Maddenly called him out at the beginning of the year about being an injury prone. Instead of putting his head in the ground, he like said, all right, well, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm an everyday player. And, and he acted like it, uh, for most of the year. I think, um, I don't know that year. I'm not projecting he's going to give you like 600 at bats, but hell, if he only gives you 400 at bats, you're going to make a major profit. At- 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 38th first baseman and he's got the upside of his, his only thing is if he plays, it's all playing time with him. If he plays, he's going to hit. And uh, I would also say one of the most respected uh, um, beat writers, um, you know, that, that I just think is, a, with the Marlins is Craig Mish and you follow him, you know, he's a huge fan, of cooper and uh, just talks a lot about his approach to the game and the way he can hit the ball. So I just, at 38, I, I won't be surprised if Garrett Cooper at 38 outperformed Mount Castle at 15. Uh, that's, that's just the way I think that this, uh, this position breaks down.
0: And when you look at those names, like you said, Chris, I mean, this is as deep position, I think, as there is right now. The fact that you can get him at 38 and Mount Castle's at 15, that just shows thirty eight first thirty seven first 37 first baseman ahead of him is nuts.
2: I I, and I, and I would also, I think, I think it is deeper, but I think it's better towards the bottom of the positions. I think the middle of first base, you look at, I'd say shortstop and maybe third are just as deeper, deeper in some ways in the sense that the top, like two, like the middle, uh, the middle tiers of short and third are deeper than first in my opinion, but, cause there's just a lot of flaws with the guys we were just talking about as a good example. Uh, but now you might be right. I mean, it's interesting. And, and just, uh, on Cooper again, like, you know, if you want to, you want to look at the underlying stats last year is X Wobble is 89th percentile, XBA 95th percentile, X Slugging 87th percentile, hard hit rate, the top two thirds, barrel rate, the top two thirds, whiff rate, uh, 71st percentile. So this is a guy that knows how to flat out hit. It looks like it when he's at the plate and the underlying stats it's all about opportunity. Uh, and, it, and I think he'll, At minimum, he's going to give you 4, 450 plate appearances and you're going to make your money back double. If he plays a full season and somehow lucks into it, you could be looking at a situation similar to the way we looked at what Luke Boyd did this year to be honest.
0: Love that. Love that. Definitely going to look more into Garrett Cooper there. Doc, give us your last guy here outside 20. So I really like Hunter Dozier at 24. He's first base, third base, now field eligible. And I see Chris doing a little little rocking. So I'm going to look at his 2019 when he played 139 games. He had 26 homers, 84 RBIs, 29 doubles, and 10 triples, which led to AL, believe it or not. So I look at that 65 extra base hit, and he can do it all from that perspective. Now you look at 2020. His average went down from 279 to 228. His on-base percentage only went down from 348 to 344. So he's walking at a much higher rate. And you expect over the course of the season that hopefully he would creep up from that two twenty eight average. Um, his stolen bases went up. So he had two in 2019 playing 139 games, but he upped it to four playing in only 44 games. So you hope that trend continues a little bit. And maybe in a full 160-game season, he gets a double-digit stolen bases. And you look at the Royals' lineup, and we had mentioned it last week with the signing of Carlos Santana. They have him, Sal Perez, Whit Merrifield. Out of when he does good that really five or he does really good those five games in September, like Art said. Jorge Soler, who had forty eight homers in twenty nineteen. It's a low key stacked lineup and the fact that he plays three positions he's gonna be an everyday player. It's a weird show. I actually like your analysis for one stock. I, I usually have you did, a this, of- you did this last week too, man. Yeah, you're, you're, you're you're trans you're going from that co- from that caterpillar, you went in your cocoon and now you're a beautiful butterfly that brings up stat cast data and good takes. This is, I don't know who you are anymore. It's because yours are getting worse. It's like a, it's like a uh moving of the power or something. Like you're transferring me all that good analysis energy and it's leaving you. I don't think that's the case. So you're going to take like a yin yang but it doesn't work that way for us. Yeah. Cheesecake. <laughs> Go ahead and uh pick one for us here. Well, I, I'm going to piggyback off a of Doc's point right there about the Royals lineup because I really love Carlos Santana's draft price. He's a 35th first baseman going off the board around pick 314 right now. And he's going that late because he hit 199 last season in Cleveland, not because there was anything really else about his profile that was too terrifying. His season in 2020 was a lot like his season in 2018, which he hit. Ended up hitting 229, which isn't great, but it's still 30 points better than his 199. He, but when you look at that 199, his expected batting average on was uh, was 253. So that is what you're looking for out of him because this is a guy who his his stat cast numbers didn't really show uh, that he that he was any worse than he had been over the course of his most of his career. His 2019 was an outlier. He hit 280 that year. He's not going to hit 280 again. But if you're getting 250 out of Carlos Santana, Carlos Santana walks at a fantastic rate. He led the league in walks last year. He's had over 100 walks in each of the last two full seasons that he's played. So he's a career 370, uh, 370 on base percentage. He's hitting 250. He might have a 400 on base percentage, uh, this season coming up. And like, like Doc said, he's hitting in that sneaky good, Kansas City Royals lineup. And I think they are sneaky better when Adalberto Mondesi is not hitting in the two-hole. Adalberto Mondesi is garbage when he's not hitting in the two-hole, so he might be there. But I still think when you have Merrifield, Mondesi, Perez, Santana, Soler, that is a pretty tough start to a game for most pitchers. And Santana is moving into a better lineup than he was in in Cleveland. A lot of people think you know, it just amazes me when people don't mention Cleveland as among the most inconsistent lineups in baseball. There's point in every season when they are the team that you want to stream against every single time. Uh, and in 2019, through practically June, Santana was the only guy hitting for them. So I think he's actually in a better lineup with lots of speed at the top with Merrifield and Mondesi. So uh, I forget who made the point. David, you brought it up last week. It's going to be harder to shift against Santana when you've got speed on the base pass. But Merrifield at second base, you're not going to shift because he'll just take third base. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a nice position to get him. I think he's going to start creeping up that draft board. He's going 313 now. I think he'll probably settle in possibly as high as 200 to 225. But right now, his value is so good at 3.13. Carlos Santana. You all should get married because that is, I think, the art staple player. He's gotten Santana every single year in, in a league we're in together. I think it's been like four straight years now.
2: But I, this is oh, just a great so example. Of all these guys are good. Like Santana's good. Hunter Dozier, I love, I love him too. Adam uh, Last year, I uh, continue to believe in him. And then the other guy that we had been, well, David, I'll let you because I don't want to steal your thunder. Have you mentioned you're the guy that you love this deep? Because I want to make sure I don't steal your thunder.
0: What is his initials? MS. Oh, it's not the same guy, so go ahead. I was just going to say,
2: I, I mean, get yourself a little Miguel now. Like, get, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, the triple play, I'm sure you're not playing in one fantasy league. You're probably playing in, in you know, at least 10 that you tell your wife about. <laughs> and then there's the other ones. So, you know, but in all seriousness, like, don't leave. So no is the 22nd first baseman. He could be the top ranked first baseman. If he's healthy and, and, and in the lineup, it's a, it's done. Like, he could do that very easily. He's, and he's got, the fact that he's going at 22, he's had some off field issues for sure, but when you scratch the surface of those, it actually doesn't seem like he was in, in any serious wrong way. And he's playing, he's gonna, seems like he's gonna play every day. A bit of a lineup that hits, and he's in a position now where he doesn't have to worry about trying to field the way he was in third base when he was terrible. I'm not saying I want him on all my teams, but I want him on at least a few of my teams because if that hits, that's
0: a lot of activity. Is there how many guys can you say have his type of power in the league? I mean, he's got yeah. 50 yeah. home run power if he yeah. plays yeah. the whole season. Yep, so I, I love that call. The guy I'm going to touch on is not unique by any means because his name has been floated around in the fantasy circles all off season so far. And I'm just going to highlight it for people that may have been living under a rock. And that's Rowdy Telez. Uh, his statcast page, uh, Chris, you talked about, uh, the, uh, what was it? The, uh, talking about it's all red, like,
2: uh, like the, com- like the communist party, like, like a Valentine's party with the communist party.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> this, this. It's red yeah. like McCarthyism. There, <laughs> there you go. go. I mean, his, his stack has page would make a bull angry. I'll just it, keep it simpler there. He ranked in the top 79 percentile in exit velocity, X, XBA, K percentage, hard hit percentage, X slug, and X woba. Literally his entire page is red except for his sprint speed. And at 113 at bats, he had 8 home runs. So he's easy 30 home run power. Um, and, uh, could actually hit 40 more if he got enough, uh, PAs in my opinion. His XBA lined up uh, pretty nicely with his actual batting average, which was in the 280s. So I love, I love to see that his hard hit percentage and walk percentage have each gone up the last three years. Meanwhile, his K percentage went from 28% in 2019 to 15% last year. Now, will it be that drastic a difference in a full season in 2021? Probably not, but that at least shows that he's, he is getting better and more selective at the plate and cutting down his K percentage. But the big reason of that was because his zone swing and zone contact both went up 7%. His chase contact also went down 7%, but his chase percentage was actually lower. So not only was his chase contact up, but his chase percentage was actually down. His, uh, so it's incredible. He's seen the ball a lot more, more efficient with his swings. And, uh, I just, I love everything I read about him. He hit the ball a little bit too much on the ground, kind of, I guess it's a Blue Jay thing. Uh, so his fly ball and, and line drive rate seemed to go up a little bit more, and he didn't barrel the ball quite the same rate in 2019. And I think the biggest concern potentially could be the playing time because they have such a great lineup that he might not get as much playing time, but he's the 29th first baseman at pick 274 and his profile to me is worth the gamble there. Um I would love taking him as a uh, a first baseman that maybe I don't necessarily start right away, but I can plug him in on my bench if there's an injury in Toronto or if he plays really well where they don't take him out of the lineup. Uh It's a, kind of like you say, Chris kind of almost like a lottery ticket there. i I I'm sure his ADP is going to keep going up. And he's, was again, talked about by a lot of different people. But I, I really like what I saw from him. So, great, great analysis from everybody. Uh, talked about a lot of good players there. So, hopefully, you know kind of who you should target, who you should stay away from. And looking at this depth, there are guys later on. So, don't sweat if you don't get a, a high-end guy early on. And matter of fact, like Chris is saying, it might be better that you wait for the, the guys after 20. So. Let's move now to a fun part of the show, and that's going to be our question of the week. And our question of the week is sponsored by Shady Rays. Go ahead, Cheesecake. Take it away. Tell us about our sponsor. Oh, yeah. As a man who recently bought contact lenses for the first time in years, just because I wanted to be able to wear sunglasses again, I am so stoked to tell you about Shady Rays. They are our newest sponsor and the maker of high-quality shades. I went with the Shady Rays Signature Series polarized in Black Slate, and I am really happy with them. They're great when driving. You see everything. The polarized lenses are so clutch. Don't ever go with uh, uh, lenses that aren't polarized again, I'm telling you. And, and they even hold up well on trail runs. I've done that. So if you're outdoorsy like me, these are the sunglasses you want, and they look great. Even on my stupid face, they are straight fire. What else? If you lose, break, or scratch your Shady Rays, you get a guaranteed replacement. And you're helping people while you're looking fly. Shady Rays donates 10 meals to Feeding America with every purchase. They've donated 13 million meals to date. So you use code Play, one word, T-R-I-P-L-E-P-L-A-Y, to get 25% off of your shades today. Triple play is the code. And like I said, i got contacts, but you can also get prescription sunglasses. So, awesome. Great ad read there. And um you forgot to mention that if you want to play Men in Black, they're the perfect glasses if you were holding up the light. Fits in perfectly just well. So, nice job there, Cheesecake. So, our question of the week sponsored by Shady Rays. What should be the new team name of the Indians baseball team? Or the Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> cool. What should be the team the team name of the Cleveland baseball team? They're no longer the Indians. So, Chris, you're our guest. So, I'd like to lead off with you. What should the team name ultimately be?
2: Well, I mean, there's a lot of motivation around the Cleveland Spiders, and I certainly would have no opposition to that. I think that's that's a pretty cool name. Um, one of the things that I get really annoyed with is that um, people like uh, take names that are very common when you have an opportunity to name something like. Las Vegas Knights, I was just like, well, I mean, come on, like every high school team in America and half the colleges are called that. But um, so the team that, uh, you know, you want to honor the history of Cleveland, you want to honor the the history of Cleveland baseball. And um, and I've been to both the old uh, Municipal Stadium and Jacobsville uh, a number of times. Enough. It's a great baseball city. And one of the great things also about Cleveland is they had um, 11 Negro league teams that played there uh, for a period of time. Now a lot of those teams are not as famous as the rest of the Negro leagues. And many of them have names that once again are all too common, like Cubs and, uh, and, and, and Giants and and, uh, and Red Sox and other things like that. But they also had a team called the Cleveland elites. And uh, you know, When you think about those old time names, like you you heard a lot of those elites or giants or elite giants. There's no elites anymore. And I don't know why. Like, I mean, why not take Cleveland, a city that everyone, you know, likes to dump on, you know, the mistake by the lake and everything like that and say, no, no, we are the Cleveland elites. And like, we are the best. We will be the best. Gives you a little swagger, makes for some nice jerseys and honors the history of the Negro League and the city of Cleveland. So that's, that's my nomination.
0: What would be their, their, uh, logo? Like you have a, like, other mascot.
2: You could have, uh, there's, I mean, a lot of the elites, you have like a crown or something like that. I mean, there's different ways you could go about it. But, uh, I just, I just think I, I love that name. I always love like the and that it's like, you know, it's like, you want some swagger, you know, Cleveland, like I said, they just get, they they get so, such a bad rap as, as a city and as they haven't won forever as a franchise. So why not like claim it, believe it, you're elite, and then maybe you'll beat it.
0: I love it. I love that one. That's a great, if they're called the Cleveland elites, I am totally tagging you and be like, you called this. That's it's also, awesome.
2: it's also got a little like Cleveland elite. It's like got a little, there's a little rhythm there that you can kind of, you know, say together. It, it flows. There's a little flow.
0: I like that. Doc, what's your pick? So, I think Cleveland Dumps just sounds like a team name. Like, that's Uh not my pick, but when you said the Cleveland... Like, everybody calls them, like, Cleveland Dumps. I'm like, I can imagine that as a team name. They're not ever calling their name the Dumps. (laughs) No, they're not going to, but it sounds like a team name. Like, it rolls off the tongue. For me, it's the 31ers. And you're like, what's so significant about 3-1? to 2016, the Cavs came down from 3-1 to to win the NBA championship. But... The Indians also blew a 3-1 lead in the World Series against the Cubs. So Cleveland has been on both sides of 3-1. So they should be the Cleveland 31ers, and their uh, logo is 3-1. That is a horrible take. That was great. (laughs) That was great. This this is the doc I know. I'm glad he's still in there somewhere. <laughs> that was god awful. Oh my I'm I'm sorry that I'm not that I'm creative, David. You're just gonna be like the Cleveland Generals, the Cleveland Clevelanders. No, I, I, I'd be hard to. Oh to my god! Anywhere. I can't wait till you're up, David. I'm gonna make some popcorn real quick. Go ahead, Cheesecake. <laughs> well, uh, I. I really like Chris's choice honoring the Negro Leagues, especially uh, recently. I think uh, Negro Leagues have been officially brought into MLB history. This just this past week, they they've become part of the MLB history. What a great way to honor that! It's a great choice. I went with a little bit of a funny one because of the movie Major League is one of my favorite movies of all time. I thought call them the Cleveland Major Leaguers, and it would be. Kind of like calling them the Cleveland baseball team, but it yeah. also pays, pays a little uh, homage to that, uh, to that fantastic movie. The Cleveland Major Leaguers were the Cleveland Indians in the, I think in part two, they ended up winning the World Series. But in the first one, they just, uh, they just made the playoffs, I think. Oh, I like that. That's a good one as well. The Cleveland Major Leaguers. That would be, some, that's like the, the Washington football team, the Cleveland yeah, Major Leaguers. You.
2: I'm a I'm a lifelong fan of the Washington football team, and I love the way that, that they were like. I'm like, they better come up with a damn good name because I'm getting used to
1: it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they have that like college feel, like with their helmets and the yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like that too. Um, so mine, I took a couple that I found and then kind of put a little twist on it, and then I one completely off the top of my head. So the first one, the you talked about the the movie Major League. They were the uh, the Cleveland Wild Things or something like that. Or they were uh, Wild Things is the from the movie or whatever. Something like that. Um, as far as uh, Rick Vaughn. Like kind of a tribute to him. But I was like, why if you call him the Cleveland Wild? Because there's like the Minnesota Wild. So in hockey. So I was like, call him the Cleveland Wild. Have kind of showing that. Original. The second, the second one I did. I like your stance there. Uh, the second one I did. Is there's already the Ohio State Buckeyes and they're in oh obviously in Ohio, so why not just call them the Cleveland Buckeyes? I could see that being something that kinda sticks. You know, also, the the also,
2: also the name of one of the uh, Negro League teams.
0: Was, was it really? Yep. So there we go. So like another reason, the Cleveland Buckeyes. Um the Negro League team so that would fit in really well. And then the other one I thought of uh is they played uh in, I read they played in 1949 season in Louisville, Kentucky and returned, obviously in 1950, the team's final year. So they have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. So what if you call them the, you're not going to call them the Cleveland Rockers or anything like that. What if you call them the Cleveland Rockets? And then as a tribute to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then. I like Rockers. I do like Rockers. You like the Can Rockers? You know? I know Cleveland Rockers, yeah. I don't know. I, I It's like Cleveland Rockets, but then you still kind of are tributing, but it, it's like a, a, you know, I don't know. Houston Rockets is pretty cool, so. Or like, like Cleveland Rocks, like the Drew Carey show. Or Cle- uh, Cleveland Rollers. So, David, were you not only not original, you came up with three answers instead of one. You can't even follow the script for the question of the week, just... Yourself, fool yourself, boo yourself. No, the crowd's cheering me. They want more. They want more. They, <laughs> you know, they cheer after I call you out. That's why they cheer. No, they were trying to so block finally you. somebody stands up to the man. They were blocking your negativity. But uh, let's go from that. Those are some great names. Hopefully one of those names is picked except for the 31ers. I will be very disappointed if that happens. And let's go to our game of the week. And our game of the week Cheesecake is also hosting this one, so what are we playing? Gentlemen, we are playing a game based upon this type of year in the baseball season. We are in the middle of the hot stove, people trying to get their big contracts. So we're going to be talking about big contracts in Major League history, about recent Major League history. So the, there's going to be two aspects of this game. One of the one of the parts is, is just a first answer. Who, who signed the largest contract in team history? I'm going to say the team the first person to say the team gets the point and then there's also some multiple choice questions where everyone gets the answer to answer and so they're going to be coming in uh sort of one right after the one one multiple choice one team or so on i there's probably seven teams and five or six multiple choice questions so uh so on the multiple choice it's going to be prices right style first answer chris doc demendi then doc Mendy chris on the next multiple choice so we'll just go from there most points at the end of the game wins. Uh, hopefully, it's not a tie because I don't have a tiebreaker <laughs> question right now. But uh, but let's get going on this. So um, what you do is take one question off and then have that one be on tiebreaker. Nah, I just I I plan on not making it in a contest. So it's <laughs> all good. everyone not named David, and by that I mean the luck, Chris. <laughs> so, I, so
2: I won last time, so I'm playing with house money. Yes, oh, exactly.
0: you were coming in one to know we got to take it down now. Exactly. Good luck, David. You got a good <laughs> luck with that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so the 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 first question is who signed the largest contract in team history? This is just call out your answer. Whoever gets the answer first wins the point. First team, Los Angeles Dodgers. David bets. Chris gets the points. Are we doing it We buzzing with our names Are we shouting the names? We shout it clearly. Just shout, just, shout, just shout the names. So this, uh, and teaching, or as a teacher, this like discredits everything I tell students. <laughs> wow! As, <laughs> soon as, I, as soon as, you said Mookie, yeah, I was like, wow, yeah. I, I was actually going to say Clayton Kershaw. So I don't. Knew, know I knew, mean. I knew Kershaw was going to. I knew that was going to get some people because Kershaw had it. Uh, Seven two fifteen was his, and Mookie was 12-365 extension. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, who signed the largest contract in team history? The Chicago Cubs. John Lester. Nope. you have to wait for them to answer before I come back in. Anthony uh, Rizzo. Nope. I think you can answer now, Doc. Craig Kimbrell. Nope. Jason Hayward. That's right. Bam. Jason Hayward, 8 for 184. As for soon as you contract. said. It, yeah. Our first multiple choice question. Sammy Sosa's biggest contract in his major league career, most uh, total amount of money was it A 5 years for 60 million, B 4 years 72 million, C 4 years 88 million, D 5 years 90 million. Is this a shout-out or is this an old no, Yeah, this is this is a uh this is everyone answers. So Chris, you answer first. A, B, C, or D. Do you need me to read them again? I'll just D. Uh I'm gonna go C. And D Mandy? When you said the answer for B, it just lit up like a Christmas tree for me, so I'll go B. The correct answer is B. Four years, $72 million, was the largest contract Sammy Sosa signed in his career. All right, we're on the board. Let's go. Everyone has one point right now. Who signed the largest contract in team history? Kansas City Royals.
2: Oh, Billy good...
0: Butler. Nope. That's a good answer, though. Eric Hosmer. Lorenzo Cain? No. Alex Gordon. There it is. Man. Alex Gordon, in 2016, signed for four years, $72 million. Same <laughs> as Sammy Sosa's big con- biggest contract. That, that nice. was four- 14 years after Sosa signed it. That's the biggest contract in Royals history. Um, we're going to go to... Next, we're going to go to another multiple choice. Who was the highest-paid player in 2014. Uh, so the answer's order is going to be Doc, D. Mendy, and then Chris. And your choices are A. Alex Rodriguez, B. Clayton Kershaw, C. Justin Verlander, D. Zach Greinke. Is this 2014? 2014. Mm-hmm. I'm going A-Rod because I feel like the end of his contract was just such an albatross. It's not like he signed a one or two year deal. I think I think I remember the Yankees were like, oh, can we play him? But we have to pay him a lot. Ten years, 250, man. Uh, Dave, D. D Mendy. So you said Justin Berlander in a very funny way, so maybe you were giving that away. But uh, I think it's – I'm going to go Zach Granke because I feel like it was around the time – I don't remember when he left Kansas City, but I think it was with the Dodgers, and I think that he got a contract. At that yeah. point, he had a short contract, I think. But then, same like the diamond. But it's not. But it's who was it was the, who's making the most in that year, correct? That season, yes, that season. So I'm going Granky.
2: I actually think Granky might be right because A. Rod seems too obvious, and Kershaw's five years younger than Verlander, so I assume Verlander was making an extra year making way more money than he was at that point. So I guess with the leftover pick, I'll take Verlander or uh, yeah, Verlander.
0: The well, you were. Chris, you should have gone with your gut. Zach, Granke. He took Granke. Right, I couldn't take
2: it. You could,
0: no, no, you, you, could, you could have taken the same one.
2: Wait a minute! I thought I had to pick third.
0: Like uh, it was only No, one no, no. Action. You you can pick the same one. You can pick the same one. Sorry. I'll give, I'm going to give him the point because he yeah, would have taken that since he didn't. Uh, I, no, you I, could take the same one. I'll give you that I, one. I, I didn't,
2: well, actually said I would take it if I could. So I appreciate
0: yeah, that. No, yeah. He, so all right. So all right. Because because now the rules are everyone has tied for two. Right now, so that's great. And so, don't, give, don't give any multiple choice. I suck at those. 2014, Alex Rodriguez suspended the entire season.
2: Ah, I knew there was something. <laughs> there we go. That's
0: right. That's I right.
2: I, you are a tricky questioner. That's
0: right. Okay. Mm, he's his own game show. <laughs> tricky, tricky the, the largest contract in Cleveland Indians history. Albert Bell. No. Grady Sizemore. No. Corn Trevor. <laughs> no. Travis Hafner. No. I'm going to give two more guesses and then we're going to do multiple choice. No. Let's Okay. Carlos Carrasco. No. Okay. We're going to take this to multiple choice now. So I would lead off for the first, one, for the multiple choice here. That's right. The largest contract in team history. Uh, my choice. Our choices are Carlos Santana,
1: <laughs> is that uh,
0: obvious. Edwin Encarnacion, Jason Kipnis, and Corey Kluber. Well, George, yeah, he says all right. I couldn't come up with a fourth one off the off the top of my head. It's all right. Any so, sense. so uh, this is kind of going a little bit between, like, layering this a little bit. You said Carlos Santana really quick. like You want us to think that that was the answer, but I don't think it's that simple. Uh, who was the third one on the list? So it was Santana, Encarnacion, Kipnis, and Kluber. I think they paid Kipnis pretty well. I'm going to go Kipnis. Chris?
2: Oh, it's my turn. I yep. will... Um, well, I understand that I could take Kipnis now. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with e
0: 5 Carnacion. I think it's Kipnis, too. I think I remember him getting like a 60 or 72 mil contract and him being one of the longest tenured Indians in the 2000s. He did get a big contract, but not as big as Edwin Encarnacion's three for 60. You're a tease. Three Uh, for 60 is the biggest contract in Cleveland Indians history. So Chris has three. Doc and D. Mendy both have two. Okay, our next question, who has the biggest contract in team history? San Francisco Giants. I know this. Um oh my god. I actually heard this not too long ago.
2: Evan Longoria?
0: No. Johnny Cueto. No. no.
2: Baumgarner. No. no. No, that's way too little. Bonds. No. It Matt. was um who'd
0: you say? Matt King. No. It's not Tim Lincecum. No. I, I, I think it's an- Hunter Pence, that's it. No. <laughs> oh, I was so confident with that one, wow. Aaron Rowan, when he was at there, then I <laughs> No, you guys are missing a big Jeff one. Kent. No. Hold on, I, I, I'm-, I'm missing a big one here. It's on the tip of my tongue, like oh, I, the I There it oh. is. Oh. Eight years, 159 million. Yeah, that, that's kind of embarrassing how long
2: it took us to get there. It is. <laughs> and, and by the way, a great value this year. Late in drafts, the Giants have committed to him being the number one catcher. Probably will not hurt you in batting average at all. May have a nice little renaissance after taking a year off. He is going very, very late in the
0: catcher position. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Um, so the next question is Okay. The. Who had the largest contract in the year 2000. You guys remember Conan?
1: In the year 2000.
0: Or am I the only one? No. You're dating Chris yourself. Might, Chris might remember that.
2: I, I <laughs> might. I, don't, I watch Conan sporadically, so I'm not okay. So the 2000, the year 2000.
0: A- right, so, so, no, no, no. I'm going to give you... Uh, what, was the, what was the top contract in 2000? I'm going to give you the amounts. It's a multiple choice. So, um, Doc, you go first. Was the Largest contract in two thousand fourteen point nine million, eleven million nine hundred fifty thousand, fifteen point seven million, $11,950,000, 15700000 or $22 million. I do when A Rod signed this. Because I know A Rod got You're going back to the A Rod well. I don't think it's a good I, way to go. I, I, that's what I think it's before. Um, I'm going 15.7. Uh, D Mendy. That was where I was originally going to go. I'm going to say you're going on the low end of this, and that it's actually the and it's the 11. You said it's 11? Yeah, it's B, right? Yeah. Chris.
2: So, A Rod was, just, he's a good anchor because he got 20, I think he got 250 over 10 years, which was like absurd money. Like, people could not even understand it. So I'm gonna skip the twenty-two at that point. cuz I think that was two thousand two his contract. So what were the other what were the other options below it? 15, 15, uh, 50 and fourteen nine. I'll go with the fourteen nine just to be
0: different. Okay, it is fifteen seven. That's gonna say Kevin Brown in two thousand. I literally gave you the top contract in ninety-eight, Gary Sheffield, fourteen nine. Top contract in 99, Albert Bell, 11,950, Kevin Brown, 15,7, then A-Rod, 22. That's, so I gave you 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Multiple, I should have went with my gut and I would have done the 15 if I'd went first, but I didn't want to say the same one as Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so right now we have Doc at four, Chris at three, Demendi at two. Still, anyone, still anyone's game. We have uh, four questions left. So, all right. all right. The biggest contract in team history, St. Louis Cardinals. Our pools. Our pools. Our pools. Nope. Paul go? Go? No. Jim Got No. What do you say, D. Mendy? Scott rolling. No. Chris Carpenter. No. Dexter Fowler. Nope, they are Had still it. paying this contract, but he's not with the team anymore.
2: Oh. Yadier Mo- no, Yadier's gone. Yadier
0: Molina. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not.
2: He's dead They're still paying the contract, but it's not Fools. Yep. It's he's still Paul shit.
0: No. Ozuna? Paul Wong? No. I, I, I'll give you guys a few more guesses, and then I'm going to call it. All right, um... Think about... A big hitter in the 2000s to early 2010s. He's he's retired. Yes. Alan Craig. No. <laughs> he's good for a season, though. That's a, that's a decent guess. What he's good game a name! This is <laughs> great pod radio, by the way. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out this guy. No. You're, Hold you're, on. Choice for us, or something. No, hold on, wait, 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 wait. I'm, gonna, wait. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let, uh, I'm gonna let two more guesses, and then I'm gonna tell you guys. Scott Rowland. Nope. Oh, uh, Matt Carpenter. No, of so the team. Uh I, I Matt. I him by now. Is the right first name though. It is Matt, Matt Holiday. Is the oh. biggest contract in Cardinals history. Seven years, one hundred and twenty million. He had at the end of it. Also, part of it was twenty years of one million. To uh to end the contract, uh-huh. like the Bobby Bonilla type deal. I was trying to think of Car- uh, Cardinals outfielders, and he wasn't coming to mind. I, told yeah, I totally was. forgot that he played for them. Wow. Yeah he he was signed to be protection for Pujols, mm-hmm. while when Pujols was young, they signed. Well, he was traded to them and then re-signed for seven years, one twenty. I really liked the contract at the time, even though I don't really like the Cardinals. Uh, the next question is. Uh I'm going to give you a multiple choice on the largest contract in Astros team history. All right, this is a multiple choice. Is it Justin Verlander, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, or Carlos Lee? And we're going to start with uh D. Mendy. Altuve got paid, but I think I think it might be Carlos Lee. I'll go Carlos Lee.
2: So it's Lee, Verlander, Altuve, and who's the fourth? Bregman. It's not Bregman. Um, Verlander, I'm probably hoping uh, Doc out as I'm saying this out loud, but it didn't, uh, Verlander didn't seem like that bad of a deal when the mm-hmm. Astros took off financially, was coming off of a bad deal with Detroit. And I don't remember Altuve getting paid that much, but I could be wrong. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna go with, uh, what is he, El
0: Caballo, Carlos Lee as well. So what's okay. funny is, before you even said that, I was thinking Carlos Lee right away, because I remember they paid him a lot to try to bring, uh, bring protection to Lance Berkman. I have a question, though, because the Astros technically didn't sign Berlando, right? They traded for him. So would it does it count if they're taking on his contract, or did they have to be the one awarding? They had to award it. Okay. Uh, I'm going Carlos Lee as well. It's Jose Altuve. Yes. <laughs> 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 Carlos Lee did sign a seven-year, one hundred million dollar contract with them, but uh, it is Jose Altuve who signed a 8 eight-year, one hundred fifty-nine million dollar contract in two
2: thousand and fourteen. I had to go with Lee. He's always he was always one of my dudes. I always felt like yeah, he was, uh, disrespected him in the fantasy.
0: So this is another this is another one that uh, right now it's four for Doc, three for Chris, two for Dean Mendy. We have two questions left. So, let's see. Largest contract in team history. First answer gets in, gets the points. Toronto Blue Jay. Roy Halladay. Nope. They don't pay a lot. Nope. Oh, Vernon Wells. There it is. Oh, wow. wow nice pull. I thought I was going to talk you guys with that no, one. No, it literally it hit me like, like a freaking brick wall. Seven for 126. Vernon Wells. Great pull. Okay. So,
2: it's still well, anyone's, anyone's game. Anyone's <laughs> game. Put tie, let's
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are gonna have to arm wrestle or I'm gonna have to come up with a question on the fly. Um so okay. David Ortiz's biggest contract in his his career was it A four years fifty two million, B three years fifty four million, C five years sixty nine million, or D three years forty five. And we're going to start with Doc. We started. You. Did we? Did we? I think I Chris starts this one. Oh, Chris starts this one? Chris <laughs> So, what are the last two options ago? So, it's A is 4 for 52, B is 3 for 54, C is 5 for 69, and D is 3 for 45. i go 3 for 54. That's actually what I'm thinking, too, because Art gave us three or two ones with three years on it. Um, and I think I think I remember Poppy saying that he likes shorter deals so that the Red Sox could sign other players. So I'm sorry to copy. That's what I was thinking for you. You are such a cop out, but now he can't beat you. All right, well, that's all right. right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go A just to, to the chance that I can tie you. I'll take you down. <laughs> the answer is A here <laughs> for 52. Well, let's go. One time. There. Okay, extra, so, extra innings. So, extra innings. So, extra innings. <laughs> I'm gonna, who, who, who can tell me the exact years and amount for Bryce Harper's Philadelphia Phillies contract? 12, 12 to 335. Years. Years. It's not 12 years. It's 13 years. In my Four. guess it's 13 years for three for three fifty, it was fifteen for three twenty-five. Okay, hey, this might not have been the best question, David. <laughs> you want to just split it and uh, say that we beat Chris? Take a half
1: and half. Yeah, you got,
0: uh, yeah. Let's art on the spot. Well, okay. Team Mendy got thirteen years. It is thirteen years. It's over three hundred million. I got the year, so I should get the victory. You right? get, the, I, yeah, we'll give D Mendy because forgetting the years, thirteen to three thirty. What? We just agreed to split it. Well, listen, I'm the I'm the I'm the king in this one. I'm the elites in this game, and I'm giving D Mendy <laughs> the win. Oh, I hate you. Yes, yes. Uh, i um, I got the schneid a little bit. I'm going to give my ten or fifteen. I could thank a lot of people right now, but <laughs> I'm going to give my Facetime to Chris. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. It was an absolute blast as always. Uh, and I'm glad we were able to do it a little bit better than the last time you were on. So thanks again for coming on, man.
2: Yeah, I, I did not approve at all. So I got worse probably, but <laughs> uh, I will tell you, I th- thanks for having me on. And um, I'm hoping uh, I'll probably announce something later this month. We're putting out the, uh, at least the new empty brackets to get people uh, taste for the 2021 uh, podcast tournament, which we yes. plan to run. It. Regardless of whether Rob Badford wants us to have a baseball season or not, we'll still have a podcast tournament.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you if, if you had started thinking about how you were going to construct it. So, yeah,
2: kind of- I've got, I've got, I got, I want to get a, I got to get a. This, I think we're going to do um, preliminarily. We're probably going to do at least 68 with play-in brackets, um, and we'll probably do a similar format. I may enlist a uh, a uh, you know would have to be uh, a, a non-biased committee um, so some people with no affiliations directly with any podcast to help me select I have a uh, some some ideas on that front as well so awesome. uh, but yeah yeah we'll um we'll be putting something out of that and then the other thing just to plug if you're plugging anything for me yeah. is I did and I think you guys have seen it but I put out a uh, updated top 500 dynasty list that also incorporates about 150 prospects. So you can look at it. They're identified as prospects and such. So if you're looking to do dynasty drafts right now, take a look at that. Because uh, I spent like months doing it. Let me tell you, rankings, anyone that's doing rankings this offseason, like, that's God's work. Because it's freaking hard to figure out how to incorporate the 60-game season. Especially with minor leaguers who you haven't seen or heard anything about since like for, like a year and a half. So, uh, uh, but yeah, the dynasty list is out. It's pretty good. Um, I'm proud of it. We got some, uh, we had some cool people, uh, retweet it. Some big names in the industry said, Hey, that looks good. So I think it's, uh, it's my list. It's sure it's not perfect, but, uh, I put a lot of work into it. It's, it's pretty solid. It's what I draft off of. And I'm a pretty
0: competitive dynasty player. So it's good. And they can find that on your site, baseball-pods.com, right?
2: We got it, baseball-pods.com. And I'll be putting some other stuff up, uh, probably over the holidays in terms of some content. Uh, uh, just, uh, needed a little break postseason. Uh, it was a great season and I'm glad we have it and I'm, we're blessed about it, but, uh, needed to just take a little breathing before getting back to the content. And I thought I was going to get, it's funny, I thought I was going to get that dynasty list out like the week after the World Series ended and then I, I really got into it. It was like, this is, a, if you do this the right way, it's going to take a while. So it took me a little while, but now it's out.
0: And where can everybody find your stuff on Twitter? Because you're a great follow on Twitter, and if they're not following you, they got to get out from under that rock and do it right now. So where can they find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Baseball Pods. You can also find me in almost every fan best ball draft at Baseball Pods. I'll be in there drafting against you.
0: That's true. We were in uh, the first one that Bubba put together, and uh, I think you your third, your third pick in that draft if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, that's been fun. Um, Make sure, again, you follow Chris. Go to his website. Check out his rankings. He's a great follow. And keep up with the show. Next week, we'll be continuing our position previews with the second-base position with Brent Herzong from the Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast. So make sure you don't miss that show. Until then, stay safe. We will catch you guys next week.